You're listening to Better Ideas. I'm your host, Pete Calhoun, and this week we are talking about setting up your own home office. Now, before you even put a desk in a room, you need to look at yourself. You need to do some self-analysis to see where you are in terms of getting your ideas flowing, getting them down on paper, as well as time management, and not being afraid to fail. These are very important steps before even venturing into setting up a home office. To guide us through some of these important principles is Marilyn Wilson Beretta. She's a business coach, and if you want to set up a home office, we need to talk to her. All right, Marilyn, let's just start off. We're starting home office. Extraordinary figure here. 3.6% of people think about starting their office actually do it, but an extraordinary number of that then fail. It's, it's, it's oh. next to no one gets, gets it done. Incredible. I know. Everyone dreams of having their own business. Not everyone, but a lot of people dream of having their own business. 3.6% actually do it. And of that, 95% are going to fail in five years. Mm. And most of them are these days home offices. You know, the internet has made it easier to step into being an entrepreneur or having your own business more than ever. And yet the dropout rate is phenomenal. Let's talk about setting up a home office in a little bit. Let's just sort of look at the inner office, I suppose, because for someone who wants to set up a home office at home, geez, they've got to be self-motivated. They've got to have sort of good, clear ideas. Is there such thing as, let's let's call it the inner office, where you have to do some self-analysis to work out exactly what your tools are and what you're going to need before you even think about the physical space? Yeah, absolutely. And I find that it doesn't matter how competent you might have been at your job. And I find this all the time. You know, I've worked with you know, CEOs of other businesses, running businesses for other people. Then when they go and run it by themselves, they become a mess because that leap from working for someone to being their own boss is such a big leap into entrepreneurism. It's a matter of mindset. It's a completely different mindset. Overlay that with personality. And also just your productivity habits or, or practices. If you don't get that right, it doesn't matter even how good your product is, you're going to fail. And so those 95% of people that do fail, it's not down to what they don't know. And so what a lot of people do is they race off and they buy this course or they buy that course, you know, another qualification, mm. when actually it's that inner office that is going to be the make or break. It's usually down to a lack of support and a lack of direction. And it's different to working for a job. And people don't realise this and they trip up. And then they get on that cycle of self-doubt, their confidence wavers. And I don't know how many, you know, really competent people I've coached just getting back to that basic level Mm. rather than even looking at their marketing. Yeah, Okay, well, presumably you're starting a home office, you've got an idea, but do you break it down into look at your own personality types and what personality types are more likely to fail, more likely to succeed? I mean, how, what type, type of personality types do you think you need to have or work on if you don't have these qualities? There's so many personality profiles and types that you could do out there. I have a simple one that I work for myself, which basically divides you into four. And I think the ones that work or the ones that succeed quicker are those driving personalities. They have that vision and they're going to get it. Often with those sorts of personalities can be off-putting in the workplace because they're so driven and their their people skills come second to their Mm. tasks. But they probably are the ones that are going to get through there the most. The ones that will struggle are the ones that are 
they're heart makers and they will work from home but they struggle with the balance of managing kids managing family and doing everything and saying no to everything so they not only running their life they're trying to run their business and and they'll they'll collapse under that I think the more laid-back personalities will feel less stress but they may not be as driven or as goal-focused as they need to be in actually driving, you know, driving a business. Mm. These people probably struggle the most going into a home-based business is that they're motivated by people and fun and accolades and they're the life of the party, they're great on camera, they're, they love people, but they can go stir crazy because, yes, you crave freedom of having your own business, but when you are working from home, you've got your four walls. Oh, God, this is so true. <laughs> it's so true. Even if you've been working in a working environment or you've been getting self-affirmation yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you're not getting it at well, home, exactly, you're going mad. You're going mad. And we might whinge about the work environment that you've got performance appraisals and you've got endless meetings, but there is a natural structure in their feedback. Yes. And when you're working by yourself, especially if it's an online business and you're sitting behind a computer a lot, you're not getting that feedback. No. So in time, yes, while you've got that freedom, that inner game can actually you know, wear away your confidence. Mm. So, so you have to be conscious of these yeah. things, particularly if you've never tried home office before. You've yeah, always absolutely. worked in the structure. Yeah. You need to be aware that these fears are normal yep. and be aware that if your personality type isn't that driven, you might have the great creative ideas, but you yeah. need to balance that because you may have been supplemented yeah. by a partner in a business. You need to be able to do it all yeah. at once. It's difficult. It's tough, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Setting up a home yeah. office. Let's talk about just some basics, though. Clearing the head. I mean, that's, that sounds obvious, doesn't it? Clearing the head. But it's really important to be able to do that. What do you coach people to do to try and clear that head and be productive? Add to that, a natural entrepreneur is going to come up with 50 million ideas a day. You're an ideas factory up there. You need some way of decluttering. So yeah, we could talk about decluttering that's the your desktop and your space, but decluttering the mind is is an art. It's an art form. It's not hard. I actually just start with grab a piece of paper and just get it out. Get mm. it out of your head. Mm. And I would do that every single week. I would actually just declutter my head and get everything down. There is then an art choosing what of those things that you've written down yeah. you need to focus on. That's a, that's a strategic piece. It's completely different. But yeah, decluttering the mind is incredible. And it takes a, a lot of self-awareness. And I would say that is the probably the foundational skill of a, someone who works from a home office or entrepreneur or someone even thinking of starting their own business is be self-aware. Don't go unconscious. Be self-aware and have, if it means you have to add some sort of into your life to increase that self-awareness or just sit down every morning and do that brain dump yeah. and clear that clutter that's in your head. See, I, I need this sort of basic <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. Basic stuff. You call it brain fog. Oh, I thought yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great term, brain fog. Yeah. You, you've got to clear the brain fog. Yeah, yeah, you do. Look, there's been studies that even the flow of, of the blood through your brain can influence that brain fog or not. We all know that feeling of eating too much sugar and we get that brain fog. Too many carbs get that brain fog. Well, having too much in your head absolutely cause that brain fog. You need to get actually physically get that down. And I suggest you use pencil and paper. Mm. Don't dump onto a computer screen because there's that actual act of writing those things out, getting those down. And then just select those three things that you're going to do today that are going to make a difference to your goals and throw the rest away. 
or you know store it away for another time. Can it's I drill so down on this a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. This idea of writing something out as yeah. opposed to typing it out yep. on a screen. I'm a big believer in sketching. I mean, we're both coming mm, from an architectural mm. background, and I think there's some sort of sort of primeval connection between the brain and the hand, and actually making a mark that is actually discerning, getting this stuff out, as opposed to typing it on a digital screen. Yeah, is that fair enough to say those things? It's absolutely true, and. I mean, I'm no scientist, but there is scientific evidence that the act of actually writing that down is more powerful, especially in a planning phase or a decluttering phase or a dumping phase, especially planning. I mean, yeah. you know, the creatives, we need pen and we, mm. we need pencil, not pen, mm, yeah. <laughs> to paper rather than electronic. And part of the electronic thing is that once you've typed it, yes, there's that satisfaction of getting that thing down. Once you type down, it, it, it goes into the nether-nether in the screen somewhere mm. and it's out of sight. Whereas if you've got paper, you have it there and you can take in more complexity and you can, take, you can have a better overview than just that you know, minuscule just line that appears on the screen. Talk about open loops and closing loops and stuff. You've got a two-minute rule of things that sort of pop into your screen. If you can, these basic things... We can give two things some tools here. A big reason why people feel that sense of overwhelm mm. and too much to do. My list is too big. Yeah, what do I do? Is that we open a lot of loops and we don't close them. So we start projects but don't finish them. Or we open up files and we don't close them. And so what I encourage people to do is to close loops or cancel loops. If you start a project and you discover, oh, this perhaps isn't the way I want to go, mentally close it off delete it or, or tick it off and having so many open loops in your head that are questions that are unanswered or even just to do's that aren't ticked off it leaves an open loop in your head and that's why I say focus down on perhaps three things that you're going to do that day not 20 because otherwise what you're doing mm. in the back of your mind is you're storing all those open loops that have not been ticked off yet. And it's creating and it, anxiety. And it, it creates stress, it creates yeah. anxiety, and it creates that sense of overwhelm. Mm. And I, when I'm really busy, and I probably got probably about five or six major projects going on in the mo at the moment, is I even narrow down to having on paper just a stack of cards in front of me on the desk. And at the top one is what I focus on today. And it sits at my desk and it's a silly little thing, but it it keeps me focused rather than going, well, I've got all those other things that I need to do, but I can't see them. They're hidden. Mm. And the other point that you brought up was about the, the two second rule. I said two seconds. Didn't two I? minutes. Yeah. yeah. So back to that two You're minute rule. You're on a different level than me. None of it takes me so two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> not me either. So back to that two minute rule. Yeah. It's not my idea. You know, a lot of people yeah. do that, but I've adopted it over the probably decades and it really works so if something comes up that you know it's only going to take two or three minutes to do I do it there and then mm. because what happens if you keep delaying it keep adding to a to-do list or a metaphorical to-do list that you don't have it mounts up again that adds to the all these open loops they haven't done so if it's going to take two minutes I do it there and then because it's it's satisfying to actually tick that thing off there and then <laughs> This is Better Ideas. Now, coming up next week, I have the tiny designer princess back, Carolyn burns McCrave. Please let your friends know about Better Ideas and subscribe. That way you'll never miss an ep. Now, talking shows this Friday night at 7 on 7, Better Homes and Gardens, Tara. Now, Tara Dennis meets another artist, this time a ceramic artist called Emma Jimson. 
achievement gets hands-on and gives making a bowl a go. That's this Friday night on Better Homes and Gardens. I'm talking to Marilyn Wilson-Beretta, the life coach, the business coach, and we're talking about setting up the inner office, looking at your own personal space before you even put pen to paper. What about this idea, though, of fear of failure and people don't start because they're just too scared to, to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of talk out there and it's very popular. If you just look on your Instagram feed and there's all these memes about kill fear and mm. fear's the enemy. It's actually not. If you didn't have fear, you'd die. Yeah. We need fear. What we need and what I talk a lot about is having a different relationship to fear. Because what a lot of people are waiting for is fear to disappear or to be able to conquer it before they move forward. But the trick is learning how to manage and lead that fear rather than react to it. So we all fear that we're going to be a fail. And some people even are afraid of success. What does that mean to my family, to my world, if I'm successful? I'm talking to some women yesterday about, look, I'm scared of being successful because that means I have to hire staff mm. or I have to yeah. pay more taxes. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. More complex. That's, yeah. So it's about learning to be aware of that fear and to manage it and be aware of it in your body and to have uh, mechanisms or tools for you to climb over that fence or wall of fear and do it anyway, mm. even though you're feeling that fear. To be successful, and we're talking now about sort of, you know, getting getting ready for failure. I mean, there's no such mm. thing necessarily as failure. There's, there's lessons learned, I suppose. Mm. But there's something here too, you talk about, you need to stay in the game to be win the game. <laughs> you, you need to be in the yeah. game and stay motivated and on, and on task. And also, it that principle will come to play at people at different levels of their business. So if you're just starting, one of the obstacles to staying in the game is you're not, you haven't even entered the game yet. They're too afraid to start because they want to have clarity or they want to have the right idea first. Thinking of starting an idea, but you're not sure and you've got, you know, you want some certainty, just start. Just treat it as a practice business rather than the be and the end all because you're probably going to change it anyway. Let's keep moving on, moving on now because although we're doing a podcast, we, we've got to keep an eye on the time. We're, we're not time poor, but we're, we're covering a few <laughs> topics here. Um, let's talk about being time poor. Now, this is yeah. a big thing, working from home and all the other demands that consists of. How do you coach people here about managing time or your perception of time perhaps needs to be looked at, people's perception of time? One of the phrases that come out of our mouth the most is, I'm so busy. Mm. And it is a perception of fear that we're not getting enough done or fear that we're not doing the right things. One of the first places is recognise that, what is your mindset about time? Because you actually have all the time in the world you need to do what you need to do. Coming back to self-awareness, being aware of what you're saying about your time really does help. Where is that pressure come from? Is it cultural? Is it? We often don't question the things that come out of our mouth. So we're not really time poor. Mm. We're actually time rich, especially if you work from home. Well, this is the point. This is really interesting because, I mean, if we take a sort of corporate environment where yeah, you're in an it. office, yeah. I mean, okay, we turn up at 9, 9.30, lunch at 1, everything's done on the mm. clock. Mm. But working from home, it's an absolutely different perception of time. And this you sort of coach uh, people to sort of, if, if something is enjoyable, time really doesn't matter. Oh, you become more conscious of time if you're not enjoying things. Yeah. But these things can be managed in a completely different way of looking at it if you're working from home, potentially. 
I talk about resistance and flow. Now, I think when you're in the flow, you suddenly, it's like you create more time. You're so loving what you're doing. I remember last week I was having one of those flow days and I, the end of the day, I'd done about 20 major things that I'd struggled to do for months before. And I was like, what was the difference that made time flow and I enjoyed it and it seemed to time expanded and other times where I'm like against the clock and I'm like, yeah. like what have I done today? Except put the washing on the line and maybe made one phone call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, what is that difference? And I think a lot of it is down to, again, it's mindset and are you enjoying what you're doing? And what brain state have I entered that day into? So it is really important. People don't realize they can actually choose their emotional state at the start of the day. Write down your to-do list, but also write what emotional state is going to support you today, especially for creatives. Well, that's interesting. Let's think very about creatives. that for a minute. Creatives are very melancholic. Oh, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. But we don't realize that we can actually choose that emotional state that we go into. Are you advocating at the start of the day, if you've had a really good productive day, you haven't been conscious at the time, maybe reflect at the end of the day, wow, that was a good day. I didn't realize it's, it's already six o'clock. The kids are still at school. <laughs> I don't know. But, but you look back and say, what made me feel like that? And yeah. you write that emotional yeah. state down. Yeah. And then the next day you try and trigger that same emotional yeah. state. Yeah. Because yeah. that's why you're so productive and got so much done. Isn't that fascinating? Absolutely. And I actually did that very analysis yesterday. And I looked back because at the end of the day, I'm, uh, yeah, I am a nerd. I write down what I did that day and what I'm thankful for and what I do differently. And so I just look back in my little diary. It only takes me a second, but it's really important. I looked back and I'm going, oh, I know why. 48 hours before that great day, I'd had some wins. I'd had some great conversations great coaching you know calls yeah. with people and I was in a positive mental state and that one happened to be by accident but I looked at it and I got okay all right so how do I not manufacture that experience but how do I take on that experience and too many people are well most of us are we just we we react to our emotional state rather than choosing our emotional state and we can if you sit there right now you can conjure up a feeling of being excited or being thankful and that peak state will enable us to go much further and get into that flow state rather than that resisting, oh, I've got so much to do state. Oh, Marilyn, this is great. We came here today to talk about setting up office space, which in a sense is personal space, mm -hmm. creating a personal space. But we're getting much deeper than that. We're talking about inner personal space, which mm -hmm. is just as important mm -hmm. as your, as your mm -hmm. home office, getting, getting that right. The idea of, of embracing change you also equate to getting enough sleep. Just tell us about the importance of actually resting and being conscious of the fact if you're working from home, it's very hard to switch yeah. off. Yeah, absolutely. I think biologically, we are very good at not listening to our bodies. And when you have your own business, it's, it's ironic that we often start our own businesses for freedom and we end up working longer than we did when we had a, the corporate mm. job. So rest is, is absolutely vital. Sleep as well as rest. And they almost should be on your to-do list. We're very good at writing, I need to do this, I need to do that. But we need rest. We need playtime. We need fun time, downtime. And we're very good at denying what our bodies are saying to us and plowing, plowing through. And then we suddenly hit these emotional problems just because biologically we're worn out. I... 
I'm not good like this because I'm a driving personality. But what I do do sometimes is it's really nerdy. But I set this thing called a howl or alarm on my desktop, and it literally howls at a, like a wolf every hour. And every made, hour. Every hour. Sometimes I just snooze it and forget. <laughs> but it's my cue to get up, walk to the kitchen, get a glass of water, and either do some stretches or just just take stock of what I'm doing because what can happen is I sit there for six, eight hours and not move. And then then I'm exhausted and then I get a sore back. And, you know, we need these things to actually remind us to look after our biology. You're a big advocate of shaking. (laughs) <laughs> tell, oh. tell us about tell us about shaking like that. well i've just i did some homework because i i knew I'm, i was you know interviewing a life coach no. I, thought, I don't want to be caught out so I want to... oh, oh okay show shaking all right so this is really fascinating so you imagine you're at the pond with the kids and you see some swans gliding along to each other and then they have a bit of a spat what happens afterwards they go their separate ways usually one's win and then they shake it off or you look at a dog when they've been barking at another dog or they're feeling a little bit stressed. You watch that dog. It will shiver or it will shake like you know, as if it's sort of shaking off water, but it's not. It's actually shaking out stress. And the animal kingdom knows this instinctively. If they've had a stressful moment where there's been like a fight or flight or freeze moment, they actually shake their bodies. They shake out that stress. Us humans, we've been taught to be very still. And so... What can happen is if we experience some stress or even we experience some trauma, sometimes the best thing we can do is actually have a good old physical shake. It'd be a bit embarrassing, but mm. it just mean actually having getting up and shaking the arms and the legs. And I've done some work with of people who deal with dealing with trauma, and that's one of the tools that they use is to get people to either shout out loud and express that or shake, physically shake to release that trauma that we carry in our bodies. That stress, that Mm. energy. Mm. Look, look, I've done a lot of work with a lot of athletes and and sporting coverages and stuff. And and you look at athletes just at the start of a massive race, it might be sprinters, they're shaking. They're physically jumping up and Mm. just trying to relax themselves. And I suppose that that translates, that can translate even in your home office to try and get rid of some stress Get up once a once an hour if you've had a difficult phone call, you know, a difficult conversation. Physically make yourself get up and shake it out. Yeah, there's biological yeah. Um, logic and to it. Sometimes I do that when my howl alarm alarm goes off and I, <laughs> I'm going to get a howling nearly, alarm. <laughs> <laughs> and I get my um, sometimes the dog goes, "What is that?" He looks at it, um, and I'll go get a drink. But sometimes I'll just shake, like I just you know you dance in the kitchen or something like that. It's mm. actually really good for you. Mm. The best one of the best things you could do if you're really stressed is just get up and put some music on and dance. You know, I, I've got this playlist. <laughs> this is very nerdy that's called feel good that we've been playing since oh my son was probably five or six he still loves it he's 17 so sometimes we'll just put the playlist on and we'll dance around the lounge room he'd be so embarrassed for me to share this but it's healthy and it, it, it just gets you into a heightened state well, we've talked about the well, establishing the inner office as opposed to the physical office and working from home with Marilyn. We've talked about the importance of clearing your head. Mm-hmm. Um, are you ready for failure? I mean, that's something we have to embrace. Um, managing your time. Are you time poor? And, of course, handling change. And we've learned that the body innately is avert to change generally. Um, and that's something that has to be addressed. A bit of self-reflection. 
I mean, when you look in the mirror and you think, well, Mount, I need to improve, or even I have to improve on stuff, what do you need to work on? Well, two things. I work way too long and hard. And so it's almost taking my own medicine. I find it easier to help people than sometimes helping myself. I know especially I've crossed that line when my son walks in to, to share something and I keep typing yeah. <laughs> as he's trying to share something that, that's really important. Yeah. So that's probably one area that in terms of life coaching that I need, definitely need to work on. And in terms of my role as a business coach, it's staying focused on the things that are actually going to move my business forward. You know, those marketing activities, the selling activities that sometimes it's scary to put mm. yourself out there. It's scary to market yourself. It's scary to, you know, push yourself in that area. So there will be those two areas that I know are my leaky taps that never get fixed. Meryl, this has been one of my favourite chats. I've got to say, Aww. is there any sort of, I mean, we covered a lot in terms of this inner office space, some general tips that we can summarise this this chat with in people wanting to start a home business on their own at home, besides setting up the physical space, just looking at the, the inner personal space. Things to remember. Three tips that I'll leave you with in terms of your inner space. Number one is do be aware of that inner space, self-awareness. Like work on your self-awareness. If that means journaling, if that means med some sort of meditation practice or whatever, just being still and writing out what you're thinking and feeling. Self-awareness. One area which we didn't cover was balance the time between you being queen bee, social bee and worker bee. Now let me explain. I use bees a lot in terms of productivity and mindsets because... Well, I'm glad Griggsy's not here. This is go for another hour. <laughs> is... <laughs> Is that we are very good at being worker bees. And what a lot of people do when they start their business is that they just end up creating a job for themselves, working in their business, not working on their business. So make sure you schedule time to be the queen bee where you're planning and you're doing the strategy and you're in that mastermind or getting that support and thinking big. There is worker bee time because it's hard work. There is work that needs to be done. But there's also what I call the social bee. And actually, if you look into bees, they actually have a honeybee, which is the social bee. And that's the marketing time. And make sure you are relating to people, not just for marketing purpose, but for your own sanity. So make sure you have those three Bs in yourself, in, in your business. And the third one is what I love to call your wow. All right. So it's know what your wow is. And it's a blend of, you know, what you're called to do. It's a blend of personality. It's a it's a blend of what you're really good at and you're really good at what you do, but working for yourself, you're going to lose that. Mm. So it's a matter of zeroing in on what your unique wow is and having that front of center and then getting the support and direction and having someone in your life that's going to remind you just how remarkable you are or how wow you are. Well, Meryl, this has been a fantastic discussion on setting up the inner office, the inner space, the inner personal space. Now, next week, we're going to chat about actually creating a physical space of which to work. Thanks for coming along, man. And I, I like, I, I'm going to underline the sleep bit. I like the sleep bit. Get enough sleep, everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> now, don't forget to subscribe and let your friends know. Connect, connect with me on Instagram and follow along my gardening challenge to grow something I can eat. It's hashtag gardening versus Peter things will start popping out of this soil 
I'm sure soon. You can follow the photos if you're using the Acast app. Just simply download the app and use it to play all your great podcasts. You've been listening to Better Ideas. Now, Loretta Farrell is my producer, Nikki Hamilton's executive producer, and I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. This is a 